What's cracking big dogs? Week one, almost in the novels, almost in the books. We got a couple more Monday night football games going down tonight. We got the G-Man at Pittsburgh. I shit you not, one of my friends is having a tailgate in his driveway right now and Snacks is already, he's, he's been there. He's already probably wasted at this point. But it's how the story goes. Week one in the books. Welcome, bike. This is the headquarters. This is BDGE. This is Big Dogs Gotta Eat Fantasy Football. My name is Nicholas. Throw your motherfucking dubs up. If you caught a dub without needing Miles Sanders, if you laid the smackdown on Animal without Miles Sanders in your lineup, throw it up. If you're watching behind your phone, if you're watching it behind your computer, I can feel the energy. Mm, your boy is 7-0 and in his leagues this week. 7-0. and That is how you start off a season, okay? You wipe the fucking slate clean, you smack everybody in their mouths, and you start off 7-0. and Some of y'all didn't start off 7-0. and Some of y'all took L's, which is why we are here to navigate you through the NFL season. I don't know how I'm going to be doing these live streams going forward. I originally had planned to do this on Tuesday and make it like a waiver wire strategy live stream. But I woke up early today. We filmed Fade the Public already this morning, which is going to be coming out on Thursday. And I had done a lot of the research from yesterday's games already. So I'm like kind of ready to roll and I want to throw it into your face holes. And right now we got like 270 people in here and only 37 thumbs up, which I which I find quite disrespectful. Okay, so smash the thumbs up button. The full waiver wire article breakdown, like written in detail and everything, will be on Patreon.com. But I'm here to bring y'all the biggest news, the recaps, things that I took away from the games. Uh, so hopefully, if you didn't watch, you didn't need to because I'm here for y'all. All right. And I am going to be looking at my notes. Where art thou? Okay, so we had a lot of injuries that happened yesterday. The biggest of which, of course, is that gamble you took on Jonathan Taylor in the third and fourth round already paid massive dividends it's like if you put investment into a face mask company in november for no reason should you have done that but you hit the fucking jackpot with jonathan taylor marlon mack tears his achilles he is gone for the season now there's another element at play here and it is naeem hines yesterday jonathan taylor didn't even get onto the field until Basically, Marlon Mack was hurt. Then he got his first touch, took it 35 yards, screenplay, almost got into the end zone. Naeem Hines was that dude in the backfield up until that point. Marlon Mack looked really good. It didn't look it didn't look good for those who invested into Jonathan Taylor off the rip. It did not look good. But it doesn't matter at this point. Naeem Hines played 39 snaps yesterday. 39 snaps, 53.4% of the snaps, 32 from the backfield three from the slot, four out wide, seven for 28 and touchdown on the ground, eight targets, eight receptions, 45 receiving yards and a touchdown via the air. Jonathan Taylor, 26 snaps, 35.6%. Not really going to matter because Marlon Mack was in the game for half of it. So we'll look too far into those. The big, the big number here is six targets, six receptions, 67 receiving yards. Philip Rivers is going to be everything for these running backs, man. I am not a fan of Naeem Hines in particular as a player, but it doesn't fucking matter what I think. A lot of people are saying, is he the next Austin Eckler? Is he this year's Austin Eckler? No. 
He's nowhere near as good of a running back as Austin Eckler is. Austin Eckler is a guy who makes guys miss on the ground. He's a guy who gives you breakaway and explosive runs. Naeem Hines is not that. But we don't need him to be if he's going to get six to eight targets per game. He's going to be basically a slot wide receiver for this team. And he becomes an immediate priority pickup, especially in PPR leagues. And I'm sure he is um, wildly unowned in most Yahoo leagues, most sleeper leagues, most flea flicker leagues, wherever you play. And again, the nitty gritty numbers behind waiver wire in terms of like fab bid and ownership percentage and shit like that will be on the waiver wire article going up on Patreon tomorrow. So patreon.com slash BDGE, get the waiver wire article, you get my weekly rankings in season for all different league types. You get access to the Q&A live stream where I actually help y'all and answer your sit-star questions on Saturdays. Only available to Patreon. Does go up on YouTube afterwards. But Neem Hines gets a massive booth. Jonathan Taylor, like, listen, this is what this is this is what everybody was hoping. I mean, listen, everybody's sitting out here like, oh, we don't root for injuries. Like, motherfucker, if you own Jonathan Taylor, like, you were happy as hell that Marlon Mack went down. I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to be the only one to say it. Like, I'm the I'm everyone's thinking it, but I'm the only motherfucker to say it. No. You're happy as hell that Marlon Mack went down. Listen, he's not. He doesn't lose his leg. He's not not getting paid for this year anymore. Like he'll be fine. He'll still be a human being. But Jonathan Taylor becomes a top six or seven fantasy back, in my opinion. You basically look at what Marlon Mack did last year, and we're already seeing Jonathan Taylor get more tar. I don't. What did Marlon Mack have a season high, a single game high last year of like three targets or some shit? Jonathan Taylor already took six of his six targets, 67 yards. Very, very impressive debut. I don't know why they couldn't pull one over on the Jaguars, but that's a whole nother fucking conversation to be had. And we look at what this offense can do. Still a very good offensive line, of course, and they're going to want to go ground heavy basically every game plan, right? Um, all of their, I mean, so many targets went to the running back position. It was eight to Hines. It was six to Jonathan Taylor. It was three to Marlon Mack before he got hurt. So he brings the carry upside that Marlon Mack had last year, where we saw many games where he went over 20 yards or 20 carries. Now he's bringing, you're already seeing a six catch target ceiling or, you know, whatever you want to say, like that's in his range of outcomes on a weekly basis. Plus those long breakaway plays. So Taylor to me, like, yes, you, you, you basically got Derrick Henry of last year in the third or fourth round. Do not sell, do not sell Jonathan Taylor high people that are telling you he's like RB 14 or 15 now are out of their fucking minds. And it's only getting better from here. So congrats. If you own Jonathan Taylor, shit is shit is good. You could have lost week one and I'd be happy just owning Jonathan Taylor. You know, I wrote some shit down about basically what I was doing yesterday was going through watching the games. And as I saw something that like caught my eye or I, I saw something that I thought was worth talking about, I kind of just jotted a note down and then I did research on it this morning. One of the things I wrote down was was Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin played for the Dolphins, Dolphins running back for those of y'all that are unfamiliar. He was a seventh round pick from Washington University last year, 205 pounds, four, five, eight, four, six, 40. So he's kind of slow. He's kind of small, but he played a lot yesterday, like 63% of the snaps. He was the leading carrier as well as a leading target getter out of this backfield. Matt Breida had five carries, zero targets. He played on 14 snaps. He was also playing on kickoff coverage. Okay. So Matt Breida's role is clear that it's not going to be a thing. Jordan Howard literally averaged like a couple of quarters per carry. He 
ran the ball, I think like eight, he had nine snaps, eight carries for seven yards. This is just, this is just a messy backfield that you just want no part of in this economy. Okay. This is just a backfield that you are not wasting fab on. You will not hear those words come out of my mouth. So I'm staying away from miles Gaskin. You y'all could do what you want. If you want to yell at me for that green Bay, man, green Bay looked fucking good. Green Bay looked good. Aaron Rodgers in particular looked angry. He looked ferocious. He looked accurate. He looked he looked like Aaron Rodgers. He looked like Aaron Rodgers, man. They dominated time of possession. 41 minutes and 16 seconds, the Green Bay Packers had the time of possession in this game over the Minnesota Vikings. Not a good look. The wide receivers. Big game for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Low-key big game for Alan Lazard. Who are we targeting? We have a clear wide receiver, too, in this offense. It's Alan Lazard. Now, Devontae Adams played on his normal 92% of snaps and got about 92 fantasy points for you. Marquez Valdez-Scantling played on 55.3% of the snaps. Alan Lazard, 89 and a half. And what's encouraging is that while they ran two wide receivers— and Lazard was the wide receiver too. When they ran three wide receiver sets, he moved into the slot. You love to see that shit. Okay. 30 routes from the slot, 38 outside, 90% snap rate overall. Finished with a four for four, 63 in a touchdown line. Added a 20 yard run, a 19 yard run, but who the fuck's counting? So if I'm taking one, like there was a lot of hype out of camp from MBS. There's a lot of hype out of Alan Lazard. I do think both of them should be owned because if we're getting the Aaron Rodgers of old, which you know, he's not in his prime anymore, but he looked pretty damn good. It was pretty convincing yesterday. Uh, I, I would like a piece of this passing offense if I did not get it from Devontae Adams. My priority pickup would be Alan Lazard. Next guy up, MVS is not a bad secondary trophy. But again, Lazard played 90% of the snaps. MVS only 55.3% of the snaps. Someone that played a whole lot of snaps yesterday is his tight end out in Washington, Mr. Logan Thomas, bro. Logan Thomas was a dude who was getting nonstop hype at a Washington camp. And we heard it all summer. He's an athletic guy. He is vying for the starting role. And then he wins it outright. Played on 74% of the snaps, 86% of routes, 26% target share. He led the Redskins in target share. He led the Redskins in targets, eight targets. He is a dude with a 46140. He was a, he was a tight end who was a quarterback and a wide receiver beforehand. If you look at his player profile on playerprofiler.com, you're seeing like a Darren Waller-esque Darren Waller-esque athletic profile. It's it's insane. And I tried to pick him up in Dynasty anywhere I could before the season started, and I'm damn fucking happy about it. 52 of 70 snaps he played. 24 slot routes, four out wide. The dude seems to be a legit candidate to be this year's Darren Waller. We'll have to see if Dwayne Haskins can be usable. We'll have to see if this Washington offense can be usable. But Logan Thomas is absolutely a guy you should have your eye on on the waiver wire if you are hurting at tight end. And speaking of the Redskins offense being usable, their defense is fucking ferocious. Tweeted this out yesterday, but the matchup between Philly's offensive line and Washington's front seven was literally corrupt. The police should have stormed the field. And I apologize if I said Redskins. I didn't mean to if I did, even though I don't think I did. 
The football team's front seven is fucking ferocious, man. And and Carson Wentz got hit like 15 times. I think he was sacked eight times. The offensive line was without Brandon Brooks, obviously, for the year. Andre Dillard out for the year. Lane Johnson's injury is apparently more serious than we expected it to be. This offense was in... I mean, anytime you lose to the Washington football team, there's a problem, okay? And that was it. It, w it was an issue. When Philly's going against a stout front seven... There are going to be problems when Washington plays against a weak offensive line. They are probably a streamable defense. I hate to say that, but they probably are, man. Eight fucking sacks yesterday. Woo! Woo! Okay. James Robinson. James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is a must-add running back this week. He is a must-add running back this week. He played Leonard Fournette's role. They just didn't dump it off to the running backs enough times for us to see that come to fruition. I mean, Gardner Minshew only threw the ball 20 times. Only threw one incomplete pass. Gardner Minshew's the GOAT. We'll put it that way. Minshew's the GOAT. But Jacksonville, 16 running back carries yesterday. James Robinson, every single one of them. 16 of 16. 1,000% running back carry rate. 16 for 62. Wasn't hyper-efficient, which is not going to happen in this Jacksonville offense because the Jacksonville offense did catch his only target for 28 yards. Chris Thompson was an absolute non-factor. So James Robinson is clearly the workhorse in this offense. Again, you're hampered by the fact that you're in this. Why we didn't like Fournette to begin with when he was in Jacksonville. You're hampered by the fact that you are in Jacksonville. You're not getting a lot of goal line carries. You're not going to be a lot efficient because the offensive line fucking stinks. So Robinson's a guy that you could throw into your RB three flex roll week in and week out and probably expect a floor of between eight and 10 points. And if he gets lucky and kind of stumbles into a, a goal line touch, maybe he puts up 15 to 16 for you. So yeah, I think James Robinson makes a lot of sense. Chris Thompson is droppable. Reichel Armstead's droppable. Devon Zigbo's all these motherfuckers are droppable. All right. One running back to own in Jacksonville and it is Mr. James Robinson. <sighs> what else we got going on here? Okay. Let's, let's talk about this Detroit game. Let's talk about this Detroit game. Now, Adam Leviton, let me see if I could put this image up on the screen for y'all. A couple tweets from Adam Leviton about the game overall. Really disappointing for TJ Hawkinson. Only see a 12% target share with Kenny Galladay. Hammy out. Also only played 50 of 78 snaps. Was slot or wide for 19 of them. Would actually be encouraged by DeAndre Swift usage. Led Detroit running backs in snaps despite missing a ton of camp time. Reasonable 12% target share. Pass down role is locked. Rushing role will almost certainly grow. Okay. Uh, a lot to take away from those, those Twitter tweets. Way more optimistic about TJ Hawkinson than he is. 12% target share. Yes, not great. But I saw a lot of people tweet out that he was being double covered a lot. Anytime he was going up the middle. Anytime they were in the red zone. Uh, they made sure that the focus of the defense was on Hawkinson, which I highly doubt will be the case when Kenny Galladay is back on the field. He had a good game. I think he went five for 51 in a touchdown. Like, this is the path that we want to see, right? We talked about all summer. TJ Hawkinson's prime for a breakout. Top 10 draft capital. Really athletic. Like, going to be the full-time player. It's basically what we saw in week one. So, yes, a 12% target share. Like, I'm not about to look at a target share based off a of one-game sample size and, like, draw conclusions from it. I'm looking at a good game from DJ Hawkinson. We'll have to see what happens when Kenny Galladay comes back, but this is exactly, you'd rather see this game than not see this game from, from Hawkinson. So for me, he's going to be a borderline tight end one going forward, someone that I feel pretty good streaming. Uh, DeAndre Swift. That egregious drop at the end of the game. 
It was at, he absolutely em- embarrassed my ancestors and my family name, man. Talked about it on Twitter. It was inexcusable. It was embarrassing. It was it was a non NFL player type play. He's a rookie. He's gonna have those mistakes. Still think he is one of, if not the most talented running back in this group. As soon as he was out of practice for a couple weeks, that was when issues started. Like you knew he was fucked then because the only clear path he had to taking over as the workhorse right out of the gate was if he was healthy for the entirety of the summer. And I think he would have taken the majority of the of the work if that happened. But as soon as they pushed him back and then they signed AP, like you knew shit was going to get messy here. But when we look at how they actually did use him, and this is something I tweeted out when I was doing a little bit of research this morning, Swift led the bat. I know AP had a big game and he had a lot of carries, a lot of groundwork. DeAndre Swift had 43.6% of the Lions carry or the Lions snaps yesterday, which led them by a, a pretty long shot. 43.6%. AP had 30.8%. Carry on 256 DeAndre Swifty, 21% came out wide or from the slot. He led their RBs with five targets. He had the only goal line carry, which he did convert into a touchdown. And he was, most importantly, in on all of the two- and four-minute drills. I talked about this a lot during the summer, how I think he can have that similar role to what Theo Riddick was, but be a plus runner on the ground. Theo Riddick, the last season that he had under Matt Patricia as the pass catcher, caught almost 70 passes. Like, this is the type of thing I think we could see out of DeAndre Swift. His role is only going to get bigger. This was his first game. Matt Patricia does not like to play these rookies. I think he's just going to expand and expand and expand his role. And I'm I'm somewhat encouraged by, despite that fucking egregious drop he had, I'm encouraged by the usage that he had overall. One guy to keep a name on, keep an eye on, one name to keep an eye on, this boy Quintus Cephas. A lot of hype throughout the summer as well. He's only owned in like 10 to 15% of Dynasty Leagues. And I'm not like super excited about him, but he did lead the Lions with 10 targets yesterday. It's not every day that you get to grab somebody off the waiver wire in your dynasty league that sees 10 targets, especially not a rookie. He wasn't good on them. Three catches. I think he had like 39 or 43 yards or some shit. Has trouble getting separation, which is not a surprise given his athletic profile is pretty fucking underwhelming. But he's a name to keep an eye on. What... I'm 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 not I'm not about to go all out and like spend all my fab on him because what happened is he he ran a ton of routes. He ran he was on the field for a ton of snaps, which led to him getting a lot of targets, but he ran like 85% of his snaps on the outside. Okay. And that was because Kenny Galladay was out. Kenny Galladay's back. It's gonna be Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. Danny Amendola is their slot guy. So had we seen Cephas run more routes from the slot yesterday. I'd be encouraged to say like, hey, you know what? Like when Kenny G's out there, maybe they just move Cephas into the slot on the on the three wide receiver sets. I think that's Amendola's role. So it's very it's very likely that we just see Cephas kind of pushed over to the bench and becomes uh, the fourth wide receiver in the lineup. You know, if Kenny G or Marvin Jones needs to come off the field, we put our boy Quintus out there. So he's a pickup in Dynasty. I am not sure that like I'm going to start getting fucking excited about him though. All right. All right. Who else we got? Peyton Barber, the goat goal linebacker, huh? Man, this was my concern with Antonio Gibson. Outside of just being in Washington's offense overall, like Peyton Barber got five goal line carries yesterday. Five. Five. Ron. Ronald. Ronald Rivera. 
W-I-D. Why are we getting Peyton Barber so fucking involved? What are we doing here? Did you not watch Tampa Bay last year? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Clyde edwards Hilaire leads the NFL right now with six goal line carries. Peyton Barber got five yesterday. He's currently number two in goal line carries in the NFL. Le'Veon Bell had six all of last year. So I think with Gibson, we're just never really going to know on a week-by-week basis what his workload's going to look like. You know, is he going to get the in-between-the-tackles carries? Is he going to get any goal line work? Hard to say. Uh, he, he's he's like a flex play that I'm not really confident in playing week over week. So, no, I'm not picking up Peyton Barber because I don't want the football team's goal line back because that's not going to be a role that's coveted week in and week out for the most part. But it's just a, it's a little concerning when it comes to Antonio Gibson. A couple other running back duos that I'm that I'm a little bit concerned about, man, is uh, the Zach Moss Devin Singletary duo. I like Zach Moss a lot more than I do Devin Singletary right now because he's getting the goal line work, he's getting the end zone targets, but Josh Allen is kind of like the RB one down there on the goal line. Neither of the running backs were good on the ground yesterday, and they played the Jets. That's this is my this is why I'm scared, right? Like Mims needs to do a remix of this shit. This is why I'm scared because Zach Moss fucking average 1.2 yards per carry that's why i'm scared both of these guys were shitty on the ground like if we're gonna have a game script that dictates these guys having big games in this backfield scoring touchdowns being efficient dominating game script like this was it against the jets and it didn't happen so when we're starting to play teams like the patriots and we're starting to play other teams outside of the division are we going to be able to rely on these guys i don't know I don't know. So right now, I mean, I'm holding both of them. And both of them are going to have their weeks. But very hard to trust either one of them if they're not going to get it done against the New York Jets. The shit show. The Jets are a shit show. The Cleveland Browns are an absolute shit show as well. I don't think it's an overreaction week one to say that. Like the Browns were fucking terrible yesterday. Good Lord. And I want to say, like, you know what? The Ravens team is just so good, and maybe we'll get back to the fucking all you weirdo regression people. Like, Lamar Jackson can't be good at passing again. Mark Andrews can't catch touchdowns because of fucking regression. Shut your mouth. Didn't happen. Cleveland Browns, really bad. Odell Beckham, 10 targets, 3 catches. Jarvis Landry is the wide receiver to own in Cleveland. Like, I don't care that Odell Beckham his fucking fast twitch fibers bend further than Jarvis Landry's. I'm over it. I'm over that shit. It, it, this is just what we're getting. We're getting an inaccurate Baker Mayfield. The storyline is going to start pushing towards, was Baker Mayfield actually amazing in college? Which his numbers say he was. Or was he sitting behind a ridiculously good offensive line while throwing to Hollywood Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Mark Andrews, Hayden, uh, was Hayden Hurst? No, Hayden Hurst wasn't on Oklahoma, was he? Am I making that up? I hope he was because it makes my argument that much fucking better. I think, I feel like Hayden Hurst came out of, uh, okay, South Carolina, another red team, red and white team. Regardless though, CeeDee Lamb, Marquise Brown, um, the offensive line there, Mark Andrews, they look bad. Nick Chubb, are we nervous about Nick Chubb? Started the game off really good, really well, running it hard, running it efficiently. This is where the game script is more prevalent, right? Like 
they're not going to get blown out like this every game. So Nick Chubb will play a lot more. And, you know, you want to, people are going to be like, oh, Kareem Hunt outscored him again. Kareem Hunt had more snaps and more receptions. Shit. Like, they're down 30 fucking points. Like, of course, Kareem Hunt's going to be on the field more than Nick Chubb is. Uh, Nick Chubb is still their starter. Nick Chubb is going to have a bunch of games where he gets 18 to 20 carries. But if this if this team is just fucking as miserable, the, the way, here's how I'll sum it up. I'm not as concerned with Kareem Hunt's role. If we're talking about being worried about Chubb, I'm more worried about the team than I am actually Kareem Hunt. Because if you're just looking at the box score from yesterday and being like, oh my God, Kareem Hunt played such a big role, like he did, but it's because they were getting rolled on, all right? Kareem holes, Kareem, Kareem hole, Kareem holes roll, rolls as they get rolled, okay? That's how it works. So Chubb, like, obviously that's not what you want to see in the first game, but I think I think we'll be a little, uh, a little happier with his performances going forward. David Njoku looked good, and then he got placed on IR, so don't worry about him. Let's talk about the Chargers and Bengals game, man. There's a lot to take away here. You want to talk about guys you're worried about and guys you're not worried about. The running backs in this game, okay? Joe Mixon. Man, this is like what I was worried about all all summer. This is what I was saying. Like as long as... Gio Bernard is in the picture. Joe Mixon's never going to hit his ceiling, you know? Um, Joe Mixon played on 58% of the Bengals snaps yesterday against the Chargers. Gio Bernard was targeted five times to Mixon's two times. This is, this is an offensive line that, yes, we expect to be better, but I wouldn't expect them to go from, like, the worst offensive line in the league to a top 10 offensive line. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's a good Chargers defense, but they're not amazing, right? They've already lost Derwin James. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm fucking terrified if I'm a Mixon owner, man, because this is just a situation. As much as we like his talent, again, it's just a situation. This is going on four years of being underutilized in the passing game. At what point, at what point, at what point does situation trump talent? You got to ask yourself that. Again, you could say week one is overreaction period, but week one also gives you the best selling and buying windows because people are overreacting. So if you hit them correctly, you hit them fucking big time. Big time ROI. Fucking stonks. Revenue. The revenue is there. How we doing, chat? I really hope my volume hasn't been off like this whole time. That would be really shitty. Was good. Was good. What up, chat? All right, you guys can hear me. Cool. That would have fucking really been anti-good if I just went off for 40 minutes. Uh, okay, 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 okay. What else do we got from that game? Okay, so... Tyrod Taylor fucking stunk yesterday, and I'm nervous that that's going to be the case for the for a long time. We're going against the Bengals defense, man. If you can't get it done against the Bengals defense, you're probably just not good. Not good news for the passing game. Eckler. Eckler's a buy low. Eckler's a buy low for me. I like the 20 touches. The reason I liked Eckler still this year is because I thought this Chargers offense was going to be bad. And I think that lends its game script to Eckler. 
Joshua Kelly is absolutely a priority, Ed. But don't expect Joshua Kelly to get 12 carries going forward, 12 to 14 carries and all this goal line work and shit. While he might be the goal line back going forward, that did not stop Eckler from being, you know, a top five to seven running back last year. When they start to play teams like the Chiefs, like next week, we're going to see the Chargers get fucking manhandled. And we're going to see Eckler get more involved in the passing game. Now you could say, oh, that's the same thing with Mixon. This is what I've been tweeting out all summer, that the Cincinnati Bengals ran the single most plays in 2019 while trailing. Okay, so they were already a bad team, and we already saw this setup. And Mixon's target numbers dipped from 2018 to 2019, and now we're just seeing him not be involved. 58% of the snaps, like, come the fuck on now. All right, so Eckler, 20 touches still, 19 carries, and this is like the only game that they're really going to be in it. I really believe that. Bengals are not a good team. Their defense stinks. I'm not worried about Eckler. I'm not worried about Eckler. If he continues to stop, if next week we come back and, and Eckler doesn't see at least five targets, I'll start to worry. But for now, Eckler is a guy to buy. Mixon, for me, is a guy to sell. I'll tell you who else looked fucking good yesterday, man. AJ Green. AJ fucking Green looked good. He only played on like 60% of the snaps, but he saw nine targets. While the other guys, John Ross, Tyler Boyd, CJ Ozuma, saw five. Like, he almost doubled everyone's target totals despite playing on limited snaps. And I, you know, if you want to fade him for the injury reason, which I'm I'm honestly, like, admittedly, I'm not going to go out and start sending offers for AJ Green. I'll just say I'd be happy if I owned him right now despite me fading him all offseason. Because by the time drafts came around, you really only need to pay like a 10th or 11th round price for him. And he's... uh. Just be ha- if you didn't watch the game, if you only saw the box score, be happy you own AJ Green because he left a lot of points on the field. Uh, Burrow overthrew him on like a beautiful forty-yard touchdown that just went right over his head. He had the touchdown at the end of the game uh, with like two seconds left, where his where he got the offensive pass interference call. He had a beautiful tiptoe catch on the last drive of the game that was called out by like a fucking. In- he really, really should have had like another seventy yards and two touchdowns on his box score. So. Uh, if I own AJ Green, I'm, I'm feeling good about that right now. At least seeing what comes of it until he pulls his hamstring, probably. What else can we talk about? What else happened in Sunday Night Football? We had the Rams versus Cowboys. Rams versus Cowboys. Robert Woods did his thing. We've been smoking Bobby Trees all summer. Y'all know that. He's going to continue putting out like eight for 100 lines because he's just the GOAT. The Rams backfield. Malcolm Brown looked good, man. Ran a lot of routes. I think he ran like 21 routes compared to about 12 for Cam Akers. Darrell Henderson, I think, will continue to see more and more involved. I think this is just going to be a hot hand approach, to be honest. I'm not. I'm personally not going out and spending all my fab on Malcolm Brown. But I will say, Cam Akers did not look good yesterday. Uh, Noah, Noah texted me and Mike and was like, Cam Akers runs like fucking Trent Richardson. I was like, I can't really argue that. Didn't look good. The offensive line did not help him whatsoever. I'm going to look on player profile and see if they have anything updated on their site because they do efficiency metrics behind like their offensive line and whatnot. No, they don't have it up yet. But Cam Akers did not play well. I'm not panicking. We'll see what comes of it. Malcolm Brown played really well. So he's, he's definitely someone you want to pick up. He's definitely a pickup. 
but he's not someone I'm going to go crazy for. If you want to, I won't blame you, but I think this will be a hot hand approach. And I think both Cam, I think he's in a backfield where both guys are more talented than he is. And that will lend itself to not having the hot hand more often than having it. Yes, they do trust him. And yes, he played well last night. But I think we kind of know what Malcolm Brown is, man. Um, I think he's a thumper that has his moments. I think he's like a Mike Davis type where he can do it all. But if there's someone better, that person will probably eventually take the touches from you. And I think we'll see that more often than not with Cam Akers and when Darrell Henderson gets back to full health. So I feel like that's most of the notes I had. What else can we talk about? We can talk about some of the injuries outside of Marlon Mack. So we had Blake Jarwin, obviously torn ACL. He's going to be out for the season. No, I will not be picking up Dalton Schultz, whoever the fucking backup tight end is. George Kittle's got some weird freaky knee thing going on. He ended up coming back into the game, but you'll have to stay tuned on what the injury to George Kittle was. I think, to me, I'm not no fucking doctor, but I've hyperextended my knee before, and that's what it looked like for Kittle. Maybe like a bruised knee. I'm not really sure. Um, Doesn't seem like it's going to be long-term, but make sure you're following Dr. Morris. Make sure you're following... uh, Edwin Porras, make sure you're following Dr. Chow on Twitter to stay up to date on all these injury things. George Kittle's out. Obviously, that kind of opens the path for, I believe, who they just signed? Vernon Davis, right? Or is it Jordan Reed? Let me check the snap counts on this. Let me check some. Uh, let me check uh, some of the production. The production. Yeah, Jordan Reed. Huge two targets for 12 yards. Things you love to see. Well, listen, they got like their entire fucking pass catching group banged up right now. Kittle, Ayuk. Debo, Jordan Reed, I'm not going to go fucking nuts about him, but, I mean, he makes sense as a as a pickup. Who else got hurt? Uh, Le'Veon Bell fucked up his hamstring a little bit. They had this this man, Josh Adams, in there, man, running pretty hard. If you all remember Josh Adams, he had, like, a, a, a cute little stint with the Eagles where he kind of went off for, like, four or five games in a row. Looked fun, uh, but at the end of the day, Josh Adams and Frank Gore, like the Spider-Man meme, kind of looking at each other. They're both just like thumpers. And I, we're going to see, because Adam Gase trusts Frank Gore, I, I feel like, a little bit more. We're going to see Frank Gore get a lot of carries compared to Josh Adams. Uh, two for eight and a touchdown. Two receptions, 14 yards. It's just not a situation you want any part of. It was not a situation you want a part of with Le'Veon Bell. Six for 14 carries. And now we're going to have a lesser talented running back in that group. So not anyone I'm spending fab on. That entire Jets offense looks like an absolute shit show. Devontae Parker re-aggravated the hamstring that he originally aggravated going into the year. Preston Williams, man. Preston Williams is about to get 200 targets per game. And I don't like Mike Kosicki. I think he fucking stinks. But Parker's going to be out for multiple weeks. This seems like a, a volume play, similar to how Preston Williams was out last year, and it was all to Parker and Gasicki. I think we're going to see a lot of similarities there. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, this is what happens, man. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is not coming in by surprise, if he's like not the quarterback by surprise, he's he's exactly who we think he is. He's Ryan fucking Fitzpatrick, you know. So if Fitz keeps playing poorly, and they have faith into his health it's it's, it's gonna get ugly and two is gonna get in there and then two and Preston Williams are gonna make babies Michael Thomas high ankle injury 
He's saying he could play through it. I mean, we saw another Saints skill position player play through a high ankle injury last year. Wasn't a good look. Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I'm fucking very concerned if I'm a Michael Thomas owner. He's going to play through it. One, probably going to be on limited snaps. Two, not going to be effective. Three, very high re-injury risk rate. Uh, so that sucks if you drafted Michael Thomas. Apologies, but probably didn't if you're in my audience because we kind of were just going really heavy on running backs to begin with. Uh, oh, you guys are asking about Sanders. Are we worried about Sanders? Uh, I mean, it sucks that he sat week one, of course. Obviously, that's shitty to see. I'm kind of happy they did, though, because if he wasn't ready, if they were going to play him on limit snaps, that would mean he's not 100%. And if you're not 100%, I don't really want you on the field. So I like the extra week that he has to uh, to rest up and prepare for their next game. Boston Scott was messed up a little bit throughout the game. So they definitely need Sanders back on the field. And I think with, you know, I think they're going to go back to the tape and they're going to see how quickly the Redskins got pressure on that offensive line. And what I think that's going to mean is like less deep shots downfield, less Deshaun Jackson, less Jalen Rager down the field and a lot more a lot more what we saw over the last half of last year with Miles Sanders like a lot more dump offs quickly a lot more quick slot routes for the guys like the tight ends for um for Boston Scott for Miles Sanders so and my concern from a running perspective like you have to be because their offensive line is absolute shite right now but I just want him back on the field and I'm not I'm not worried about this injury being like more serious than what it was one week ago i just think this was like a maybe maybe an arrogant play by them you know thinking like oh we don't need miles sanders for the washington redskins and then you get fucking absolutely tanked on um so like yeah ideally you don't want him to fucking miss week one but i think (coughs) i think he should be fine hopefully for week two but there are guys who do this a lot better than i do obviously injury wise there are doctors who have been official doctors longer than i have if he feels what i'm saying all right where are we at though wow we got 1500 people in here god damn what's good what's good you're a doctor of course i'm a doctor what kind of question is that big doctors gotta eat chris carson what are we talking about with chris carson uh, they threw the ball a lot in Seattle and you love to see it. You love to see it. Oh my God. There's so many questions coming in at once. I can't even like read. I can't read good. I can't read good to start. Um, oh boy. Am I glad I own Tyler Lockett in a lot of places. If they're going to let Russ cook the fuck up. Woo! The Seattle offense is going to be dangerous. Oh, I've had a lot of questions about snap counts. I've had a lot of questions about snap counts. How I'm pulling them, et cetera, et cetera. So the best place to pull snap counts from, like immediately, is PFF. PFF.com. But they are behind a paywall, Okay. But that's what you're paying for. You're paying for quick, quickness, rapidness for the information quickly. Uh, Lineups.com does snap counts as well. Lineups.com. Player profiler, I I believe, as well does them. But you got to understand, like, if it's free, it's probably going to take a little while. Like, they're they're not going to have snap counts up within an hour of the fucking games being done. So if you want the more in-depth shit, 
it's going to come from PFF. Like those are where I can find routes run, uh, snaps from the slot, snaps out wide, snaps under pressure, fucking these snaps. PFF's got them all. You guys are just naming people's names. I don't even know what to do with most of this. This is out of control. Oh, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I got it. Before I like have a fucking heart attack and pass away, you guys are killing me right now. Thank you for like, I really do appreciate all you guys being in here. Um, I do appreciate all you guys being in here. But like, if you're watching the chat right now, like, what am I supposed to do with this? If you're me, what do you W.I.D.? What the fuck is you doing? How do you answer ask the Falcon situation? We fucking stink. We stink. Falcons stink. OK. We're a terrible team. Matt Ryan's going to throw the ball 52 times a game. Um, oh, God. I can't even focus. I should have took Adderall. Uh, uh, oh, I won a big game on uh, Monkey Knife Fight yesterday. Guys, the best, the best game on Monkey Knife Fight is the touch. You could choose the morning games and do a touchdown dance. It was literally two and a half, over under two and a half touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey. They scored seven touchdowns. We won, we put $20 on it and we won $37 off of it. The touchdown dances are the easy money on Monkey Knife Fight. You could do the early games, you could do the late games, you could do a single game. It's fucking beautiful. And you could choose, do you want the, you pick any three players you want. And you say, do they score over two and a half touchdowns? So collectively, do they score three touchdowns? Do they score over three and a half touchdowns? Do they score over four and a half touchdowns? What are you doing? Okay. Monkeyknifefight.com. Use the promo code BDGE when you sign up. You're getting 100%. To p- Here's what you do. Go to monkeyknifefight.com. Throw in 10 bucks right now. And you'll get 10 bucks extra to play with. Throw it fucking all on the touchdown dance tonight. You know why? Because Deontay Johnson's scoring fucking three tugs. Three tugs, Monday Night Football, Derrick Henry, 47 points. I whooped, whooped animals fucking ass. And E-Town get down. We want to talk about Dobbins. Listen. I'm not going to go nuts like Dobbins scored twice, but he also was targeted zero times. He also had 22 rushing yards on seven carries, which is like three yards per carry. There wasn't a single Ravens running back that had a target. Okay. That's a problem. Hit the thumbs up, people. Hit the thumbs up. Hit the thumbs up. There's fucking 1,400 people in here. Only 277 thumbs up. Wildly disrespectful. You guys are like the Cleveland Browns of chats, of live audiences, and it hurts. Yes, Dobbins looked way better than Mark Ingram. I, obviously, like when you're a better running back, you're going to look better. Did anyone think Mark Ingram was better than J.K. Dobbins? Of course not. Of course not. Skirt. Thoughts on Taylor? Taylor, you got an RB1. If you drafted Taylor, you have a top eight solidified RB1 in fantasy for the rest of the season. Go thank the Marlon Mack gods. Go thank the Achilles snatchers. 
Go thank whoever shot Achilles at the end of Troy in his fucking Achilles with a bone arrow because they hit Marlon Mack. And if you're a Jonathan Taylor owner, congrats. You just won your league. I love you. I'm out. Patreon.com slash BDGE.